the answer is found through the adversity or through the struggle. Like, I don't know if I said this before, but I told my sister, there's a more pure type of joy that's found after uh, countless hours of being somewhere by yourself where there's no television that can distract you, no video games, no phone conversations, there's nobody you can call, you can't go anywhere, and even if you could, nothing's open, and even if things were open, you couldn't buy anything, and you have to sit with your misery. That was Marcellus, and this is the very last podcast episode of the decade. And I couldn't be more excited for... This, this final episode of the decade to be with Marcellus. He's one of the most requested repeat guests that we've ever had. And I love getting the opportunity to talk to him. So without further ado, let's get to becoming legendary with Marcellus. There are no gold medals for down dog. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself 1% Your better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Marcellus, welcome back to Becoming oh. Legendary. <laughs> oh man, I feel famous. <laughs> <laughs> you are famous, man. Uh, now, I, I told you this, but after, after we recorded the first one, I had more people... I think any other episode ever. Oh, come, come on, up yeah. to me, wanted to know who you were. Oh man, <laughs> you're famous. <laughs> if man. only I could be so lucky. Yes, it's, it is quite the uh, the ego pat on the back. If I, <laughs> if I say, you know, this idea that anybody is interested in anything that I have to say is uh, is honoring. Um, I want to start with one quick thing. Yes. What's the most important thing you do every day? Wow. Like important to me or important to society? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. Uh well, um it's hard for me to give a straight answer for that because I think that I have a dual nature. I have a selfish side and then I have a side that uh is about others. So when it comes to saying what's the most important thing that I do every day, I mean I think it would uh be largely based off of whether I'm doing it for me or if I'm doing it for others. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There may be some people out there who think that uh, I'm just trying to sound smart and fluff it up or maybe run around the question, but um, I don't know. Like, I really wish I could answer that. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't really feel like I do anything important every day, you know? Like, yeah. There's people out there who who uh, volunteer, or even if they get paid to do it, they, they look out for people who are disenfranchised, or if that's the correct term, or people who are in uh, tight situations, like maybe abused families, or people who are homeless, or trying to reform their life and on a day-to-day basis. And my life is pretty routine, and uh, I don't really interact with as many people as I did before. Um, so... I don't really have a lot of requests from people. I'm not involved in their lives where like I'm giving them money or like I'm giving them some sort of mentorship. Yeah. So I don't so I almost really don't think that there is any like okay, I think I just had an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing I do every day is obey the traffic laws. Mm, for sure. <laughs> Feel like that. I mean 
it's just because I don't do much yeah. anymore, you know? So mm. I just try to stay out of everybody's business and let them live and not give them a reason to throw rocks at me. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself? Man, I think maybe the most important thing I do every day is brush my teeth. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's big time. Yeah, now now I'm conscious thinking. <laughs> I saw some stuff in my teeth earlier, and I'm thinking, okay, that's a subconscious cue letting you know, brush your teeth more. <laughs> no, I feel like that's a that's a really important thing. It's like something I look forward to every yeah. morning, every night. Yeah. It's important to me, yeah. and I think it's important to the world. Yeah, well, I must uh, confess I only do it in the morning. <laughs> um, but you're right, that is important because at this at this particular time, I have been kind of thinking about uh, longevity and health yeah. and, um, you know, securing a future and, uh, you know, taking care of myself. Um, I'm just now, like, my focus is always changing and it's certainly not what it used to be. I think I've been able to somewhat expand my vision and with that expansion has come a sense of motivation, uh, motivation to preserve myself and then uh, act on top of whatever opportunities I can also see, you know, because I don't want to be, you know, in 10 years, I don't want to be where I am right now. Not to say that where I'm at right now is bad, but I would like to say that I can build on top of that mm. because where I'm at is OK. Yeah. But um you know, what's going to be expected of me in 10 years and, you know, whatever health issues might come up or, I mean, you name it, like who, I mean, I'm about to be 32 next month. So at 42, if I'm still in the same place, I don't know, I think socially that'll kind of be like, ah, like you ready to grow up yet? Mm. <laughs> you know, and not only that, but um, I want to be more independent than what I already am. I like to, to, set aside some savings and maybe equip myself with a couple of skills that can allow me to provide for myself to uh, continue to search for the answer to the question, what is the most important thing that I do <laughs> <laughs> every day? Okay, so I want to, you, you, you said you, you have a kind of a newfound focus on health and longevity. Uh, somewhat, yes. I don't want to be... Oh, I don't want to oversell that, but yeah, to some extent. That sounds pretty pretty um, different than when we last talked. So how did that? How did that idea? How did the idea of health and longevity start to get into your world? Um, just kind of observing how fast time passes by, and uh, like all my twenties went by so fast, and you know I still do, for the most part, a lot of the same things that I did in my twenties. But you know, if I want to preserve myself, then I, I know I'm going to have to to eat better and um, I'm going to have to move like I played uh, I played basketball a couple like maybe two months ago at this local park nearby me and uh, there were a group of 16 year olds and uh, one of them was like hey man do you want to he's like you want to play with us and I was like nah I'm all right and he's like why he's like are you too old <laughs> I said that's exactly why <laughs> that is exactly I can't run with you guys anymore like I, I stopped being active so long ago that uh, I just can't hang like yeah. I can't hang with them but I want to be able like I want to be able to do for myself you know I don't want to like I look I see uh, I make the observations in myself of my limited and my 
limiting capacities and I look at older folks and I see where they are and I question what got them there. And so that just kind of, it motivates me. Not not enough quite to act on it, mm-hmm. but to start thinking, you better act on it soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird game that we play with ourselves, right? And think, well, I don't want to be that. How close can I get to that yeah. before I have to do something about it? Yeah. <laughs> I am like, a, I am largely the type of person who does do just enough to get by. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think I do it in any sort of malicious fashion. And I don't fully think it's lazy, but there is certainly an element of laziness to it. Um, but also when it comes to like doing just enough to get by and seeing how close we can get, you know, I, I don't know if evolutionary if speaking from like an evolutionary standpoint or what, like we evolved to to go through this tension and then have this release. And like the last few years of my life have been almost nothing but good times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my brother has this idea that um, decadence creates laziness mm-hmm. and there's much more to that philosophy, but like, I kind of, I kind of see that, like there's nothing pushing me to be better. Mm. There's nothing, uh, I don't have much motivation to, uh, I don't know, but I don't even know if it's worth going down that oh, that's, lane. No, that is definitely worth going oh, down. Okay. That is, that's a lane I want to go down for okay. about seven hours. Man. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea. And I, I, one, like, I just have to, I always, every time we talk, man, I'm always like, how do you have the brain capacity to think this way? It's, it, it's, it's really fun. Um, and I know you do a lot of work, introspective work. Like mm-hmm. I know you spend a lot of time um, thinking, thinking really about how you work within society and mm-hmm. how your body. Like it's just, it's a really fascinating thing. So maybe start there. Like how did how did that start happening for you? How did you start spending so much time thinking about yourself? Trauma. Yeah. Kay. Probably. Okay. Uh, shame. Yeah. Um, like to this day, I think that there's a part of me that doesn't like who I am. Yeah. And uh like both not not like character wise or spiritually, but like I don't like who I am physically. Mm. Like I don't like uh voice been insecure about my race and uh I guess I always kinda felt like I wasn't enough. Mm. And uh so that mixed with a light amount of domestic violence growing up and alcoholism and then mentors like random people such as yourself throughout the course of my life who took the time to like drop a jewel so to speak on me and uh give me a word of advice just give me something to think about it's kind of like you know uh youtube algorithms or something you know you watch one video and it suggests another video Mm -hmm. so Somebody drops a seed, uh, some idea for me to think about. And, you know, just as I analyze that, that idea, I start thinking about whatever else is related, related to that idea. And one thing goes to another, but definitely insecurities, yeah, insecurities take me there. I think of myself as being a pretty empathetic person. So I, I feel like I feel what other people feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what good that does me, but, it, but it influences my thought process. Yeah, yeah for so. sure. 
So that connection to other people, right? Just being connected to other people really changes the way you think about the world. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. I am uh, at this point in time interested in examining like the social connections, like what makes people socialize, what makes people mm-hmm. connect um, in whatever capacity that they desire to connect. I mean, I have this idea and it's like, I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought it, but I've been putting together this idea and thinking about, you know, who are your friends really and why are they your friend? Mm. And I, I tend to think as I've observed my relationships grow over time and some grow apart that uh, the foundation of all relationships is philosophy. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily mean like uh, you went to school for philosophy, but, you know, you you the examination of of whatever of of the self of of them of your pleasures of your of your likes and dislikes you know it's like uh you can go out with some friends and have a good time and uh you could drink at the bar and you could say this person's my friend and you can say you're welcome to my house anytime you know what i'm going to here's a key to my house and then be surprised when your tv's gone <laughs> but <laughs> You know, you, you based your whole friendship with them off of the fact that you both like the same team mm. or that you both like to go to the same nightlife area. Yeah. But you don't know who they are, what they think, the, some of the, a lot of the philosophical conclusions that they made and why they made those conclusions, what they can and cannot tolerate emotionally. So with that, like, you know, I've tried to re- de- redefine the term friend. Like I knew a guy and I kept calling him sir. And he said, stop calling me sir. I'm like, sorry, man, I just don't know what else to call you. I feel like that's a term of respect. What would you like me to call you? And he said, call me brother. And uh, I had my reservations because to me, the term brother or the term sister is earned because I can't be going around calling everybody brother because, you know, the what what is implied with your brother is that you can trust your brother. What is implied with your sister is that you can trust your sister. But if you can't trust them in your house by yourself, are they your brother? Do you want to call them your brother? Yeah. So I think maybe a, a closer look might be required, but uh, it is still optional. <laughs> you don't have to look at it if you don't want to. But, and I think, but okay, right there, right? So you, all of these, all of these bits and pieces that brought you to a point of introspection, mm-hmm. they could easily be the thing that people choose that utilize to not be introspective, right? Like trauma could be a thing where people don't want to look at themselves. Like they just want to eat ice cream and candy to forget about it. Yeah, (laughs) that's very real. Like facing reality. Um, I've been thinking escapism. I had a conversation with my younger brother about it. And, uh, you know, there are some things, you know, some people may take, this is a pretty, uh, extreme philosophy but some people take comfort in um in the afterlife or of god yeah and i tend to feel like you know i'm okay with nothing because i view it as rest like i view it as uh you know whatever but whatever the case whether so he identified that as as escapism as escaping from reality maybe it is maybe it isn't all i know is i gotta do it and i'm just saying i don't view it as such a bad thing like I once used to, but this idea, what I'm going to, you know, in terms of like health and longevity 
and preservation. Um, what I said earlier about uh, tension and release, I think that the answer is found through adversity or through the struggle. Like, I don't know if I said this before, but I've told my sister there's a more pure type of joy that's found after uh, countless hours of being somewhere by yourself where there's no television that can distract you, no video games, no phone conversations, there's nobody you can call, you can't go anywhere, and even if you could, nothing's open, and even if things were open, you couldn't buy anything, and you have to sit with your misery. Mm. And then when you sit with your misery, you think about what's wrong, and it gives you an opportunity to find out how to fix it. But in order to fix it, you got to walk through the fire. And you got to face it. Yeah. And that's where the decision the decision is made. Do you want to face it or do you want to stay comfortable? And it's tough. Like I was literally thinking to myself earlier, I'm not sure to what extent I want complete freedom or I would like to have a comfortable life. Like where I get to just do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Because with complete freedom means like I'm responsible for even everything that goes wrong. For sure. But if I have it set up to where like, well, I can do whatever I want without having to worry about what happens. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what do I really want more? Yeah. You know? And then um, every person has their own version of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get right into that because that is a thing I, I'm I'm really... I was talking about this today. It's this, um, I think this starts right at the question of enough to get by, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody defines enough to get by very differently. Oh yeah. So enough to get by could be food, right? Right, right, right. That might be all the you basic. Need. Food, water. Yeah, yeah. Am I warm enough? Do I have enough food? Do I have enough water? Life is good. Yeah. Um, and then for somebody else. You know, enough to get by is like, oh, but I got to cover this car payment on this Maserati also. Right. Exactly. Right. So you said, hey, I'm someone who does just enough to get by. Yeah. And and then I wanted to get into, okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, what is, what, what is enough to get by? Wow. So, I mean, you know, one of the, I don't know how to go about saying this, but enough to get by you know what I started what I'm thinking of right now is detachment mm. like what are you attached to yeah so it's like well I gotta make this Maserati payment well why do you need the Maserati yeah so that you can feel like you've done something with your life when you drive by people and people say oh man that's a nice Maserati for sure or uh, you know like enough to get by is enough to pay for my kids college education yeah so for me what's enough to get by is Largely affected by what I'm not holding on to. Yeah, for sure. You know, for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, and and I try not to hold on to too much. I mean, recently I've been contemplating um, faded youth, Mm -hmm. and I mean, vanity. I mean, because the health is one. The health is obvious, and the vanity is probably just as important. I bet you there's a lot of people out there like, man, I don't care if I'm unhealthy as long as I look good. Oh, I promise you there are <laughs> a lot of people like that. You know, and I've gotten so attached to, you know, a certain traits that I have that, you know, what, who will I be when I don't have those traits anymore? Yeah. I'll be stripped down. I mean, to my most basic, like if I just shave my head and wore a plain t-shirt and just, 
plain pair of shorts. That takes away a lot of how I'm identified and mm-hmm. and how I'm treated in society. But I mean, I guess I enjoy my thought patterns. So if I'm talking realistically, I, I, I need to online so that I can, <laughs> you know, watch these YouTube videos that make me think and entertain myself. And uh, I don't eat super well, so I just need enough money to eat once or twice a day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. I'm not very ambitious, like, but maybe mm. a part of my lack of ambition is coming from the lack of vision. Because, like I said, now I'm beginning to expand my vision, and I'm starting to think to myself, "Well, if I could do it, then why not try?" As opposed to before, I didn't even see it on my radar, God. and anything that I did see on my radar was way outside. Like I didn't believe that I could do it because it's not that it's anybody's fault, but I didn't have the confidence in myself to think I could. And I wasn't with the right people to pump me up, to make me think that I could. But now I'm I'm becoming to think that it's up to me to to figure it out. Like, no one's, I mean, you know, no one's (laughs) going to say like, dude, like, you're like, uh, somebody please mentor this 32 year old. (laughs) No, I'm like, dude, you're 32. Figure it out. Mm. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, this one guy told me, don't complain about what your employer chooses to pay you because you don't have to accept it. And I've recognized at least two thoughts, two response patterns on that. There's the employee level of thinking and then there's the employer's level of thinking. And the employee is like, well, I got to pay my rent and take care of my kids. Like, that's not enough. And like, I, I, I can't take it. I have to accept it. And that's true. But also from the employer's perspective, it's like, well, I got to go get the customers and I got to make the sales and the risk is on me. You can sue me. The customer can sue me. So take it or don't. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, for an extreme example, I'm not going to say it, but like the options may suck, but you can take the the, the worst option. Yeah, for sure. And so like what I have to recognize in myself is just. Don't get caught up in my feelings. Don't be like, well, he doesn't respect me because he's not paying me this much. Well, if I don't like that he's not paying me this much, then I need to figure out what I'm going to do to make him pay me that much. Yeah. Or to find somebody else who's going to make me pay pay me that much. Or keep myself out of a situation where I need him to pay me that much. Yeah. Like, don't have kids. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. Um, so limiting my liabilities, that's super important to me right now keeping myself in a situation where I don't have a bunch of things taken from me. Mm. I may not have any assets. I don't mean I have anything that's giving me some return on investment, but I don't have anything that's like every month or every week or every day sucking too much from me to where I can't take it. Like, I think that's, I think that's a part of what made me who I am. It made me start thinking. It's like, I was so stressed out as a child that I couldn't tolerate a lot of things. So I had to just start letting go of stuff mm. like uh, just mentally, like just I had to just. And I hate to say it because I'm not sure how it will be perceived, but it's just kind of like <laughs> it's like um, my mom, <laughs> like I detached from her pretty early on. Mm. I uh, at some point it became more stressful to be around her than to be away from her. Yeah. And so. I had to learn how to be away from her 
but she was still in my life, so it wasn't completely away. And then, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, like, when she passed, people, dude, they might have liked me before, but they're not going to like me now. (laughs) (laughs) When she passed, like, I cried for sure. And, but as time went on, it was a relief because, like, I guess the way I, an incident that kind of sums it up is I had a friend spending the night at my house, like, when I was maybe 13 or 14. And my mom called me, and she wanted me to come over to her house for dinner. And I didn't want to go over to her house for dinner because she always cooked, but then she'd get into a fight with her, at the time, husband. And then once that would happen, I wouldn't even be able to eat it because <laughs> I'm just stressed out thinking yeah, about the fight. Sure. And then I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't be able to do anything because I just want the fight to be over, but yeah. the fight wouldn't be over all the time. Yeah. So I said no. And then um, when I hung up on the phone, like that was the first time I think I ever said no to my mom. And then when I hung up the phone, I tried to go back to hanging out with my friend, but I just started crying. <laughs> and uh, I think I was crying because I felt guilty. Yeah. You know, and then my dad was like, you want to invite her over? And I was like, no, I don't want to invite her over because I wanted to hang out with my friend that night. Yeah. My friend was going to spend the night. That was a good time to me. Right. I didn't want to go over to your house, to her <laughs> house. I didn't want her here. I didn't, there was nothing about her energy that, that was nurturing to me. Yeah. That was pleasant to me. So, and that was the first time I said no. So that, that, you know, that was one of the most significant times where I began cutting things off. Yeah. I began to detach because holding on hurt me more yeah. than letting go. I think, so I've, I've had this, I've asked this question to a lot of people where I know that they have a really toxic relationship with someone in their family. Right. And with a friend, Everyone it was like universal. If it's like a toxic friendship, you end that. Mm-hmm. Much harder. It's harder. <laughs> it's harder. Yeah. But should it be? Is my question. Right. It's like if your family doesn't support you. Yeah. And and every time you you interact with them, you run into these you run into this position where you feel terrible about the entire experience. Yeah. Then I I I feel like it's it's somebody's duty to to have that conversation and be like, hey, you know, uh, I, I think it would be ideal. I, I'm trying to get back. There's this. I want I want to share this thing because I think it's funny. But I, I really feel like I really feel like that's important that somebody needs to say, hey, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're every time I'm here, mm-hmm. this is what happens, yeah. and I'm I'm willing to come here. I want to hang out with you as my whatever. Right. But if you're going to do this to me, I can't do it anymore. I can't be here. So we need to either, we're either not going to be able to do this or we're going to have to change the way that this works between us. Yeah. And I think it's really hard when you're in the, when you're in the. the, Adolescent stage. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you're going to say. For sure. It's it's like almost impossible in that stage, right? When you are looking up to your parents as these like beings with all the answers. Gods. Yes. They're gods, right? You, they're without a doubt. You're a little kid. You look up to your parents like they they are literally God. They know everything. They do everything. You don't even understand how these things happen. So to like be able to even question them, right? And just say, no, Mm -hmm. that's an amazing, that's an amazingly like empowering thing because I, I, a lot of people never get to that point in their life ever. Yeah. I mean, like, and as I told you the story, that was the first time that I actually had a chance to articulate it that yeah. way. Because I can always remember the story, but I never said it like that. So it was kind of like an epiphany that I learned as I said it. Yeah. Like, I realized that was the first time I said no to her. Yeah. The, 
I mean, whether it's unfortunate or not, it just so happened to be like the year before she died. So, you know, but like I said, I was maybe 13. I don't know too many 13 year olds that are... (laughs) That have the same mental capacity that I have now. For like, sure. Now I can say absolutely <laughs> not. Sure, I have no sure. problem with yeah. that. <laughs> like, this is not going to happen. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I, I was in an interaction with somebody recently. And uh, we were talking. And I had to let them know. I was like, listen. Um, just so you know, man. Uh, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> so like, I don't want to be me. Yeah. But I got nothing That's else it. to say. Yeah. 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 I think those, I think those things are really important. I was, so my girlfriend and I went to this uh, vegetarian restaurant in Phoenix and a lot of early vegetarian restaurants are just like chaos, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go into a vegetarian restaurant, it's like most of the time you just expect this. It's like you order at the counter, but it's not clear where the line starts. So uh-huh. there's like just lines everywhere and everyone's kind of frustrated because everyone really wants food yeah. and there's very limited places where you can go. Yeah. And all these places are making a ton of money because no one can go anywhere else, but they're chaos. Mm-hmm. So we're in this chaos line and there's like one, You only when you are at the register are you even able to see the menu unless you oh. go up and grab a menu and bring it back. Yeah. But you have to stand behind this line because they don't want people around the register. Yeah. So we're doing that. We, we went up, we grab a menu, and then when we're done, like the person right in front of us, we're like, hey, do you need that menu? And then my girlfriend asked uh, a couple behind us, and the lady snaps at her like she did the meanest thing ever in life. And we were like, <laughs> whoa, all yeah. right, cool, well, yeah, we don't need to do that favor for you. We'll put the menu down. We go back and we we finish we finish eating, and then we go over to there's a there's a little uh, like vegan ice cream shop across the street. So we go over to that, mm-hmm. and the same couple's there, and she's in a fight with the with the with the barista there. Oh man, talking about how the coffee's too hot. Oh man, and I was thinking. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking, hey. That lady's with someone. That person who's with her needs to be like, whoa, we got to calm down. Like, we either have to go home right now because you're not willing to be interacting in public. Yeah. Or we got to separate because I can't be around this right now. I can't tolerate none of that. And I really think that there's like a missing piece of society Mm. where when we're with people who are being shitty. We're afraid to say it. We're afraid to say it. Yeah. And we need to stand up and be like, hey, you can't treat that person like that. Like, I want to call it peer pressure, but what do you call it when you don't know the people? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I, I do. I, when you don't know the person, it's harder. Yeah. But I do think there's, there's, that, that is a touchier thing. Well, but I mean, the, the guy that she's there with, yeah. to me, it's his responsibility. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know why you're angry today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be me, but we can't, we can't yell at the lady for serving us coffee that's yeah. too hot. Yeah. Because we can just wait till it cools down. That for sure will happen for us. <laughs> so there was like a, there was another time. Um, there's two stories I'm thinking of, but I'm going to tell the one with my mom because it's the easiest <laughs> one to tell. So we were inside of a grocery store and of course she got mad at her husband and <laughs> so we're somewhere between the front of the aisles and the registers. And then we make our way like down to the actual chip aisle. And so she's yelling at him for something that <laughs> I have no memory of, yeah. but like, in her sassy attitude, being the person that somebody should have said, calm down, <laughs> she opens up the bag of chips and she's cussing them out and she takes a bite and then 
She opens another one out and she brings up another point of why she's displeased with him. She slams it on the ground and she steps on it and she <laughs> takes another chip and she eats it in her mouth. Another chip and slams it on the ground and she steps on it. <laughs> and there's a carryout that walks by. And I can just see the look on this carryout's face like, I do not want to go down that yeah. aisle. Walking by, but nobody knows what to do, For right? Sure. And it's my mom. So it's yeah. like, Again, I mean, I mean, 13, 14 years old, so, like, I'm not going to be like, calm yeah, down, because she's sure. turning anger on me. Right. But, yeah, I completely agree. Like, And I'm sure that there were probably plenty of people in that store who would have been willing, yeah. but they don't know what would have been the repercussions For if sure. they had went up there and been like, you need to stop. Absolutely. You know, cause, and my mom would have probably overreacted to the stop, so, like... Yeah. I agree. Somebody has to be able to do it, but also as a society, we have to figure out, we have to have the conversation with each, with ourselves and be like, okay, you're not in the wrong yeah. for checking this person. Yeah, for sure. Because you could check a person and the whole situation can get turned around on you and you look like the bad guy. For sure. Without a doubt. And so I think that might be what a lot of people are avoiding. Like, look, sure. I just don't look like the bad guy. For sure. So you know, I'm just going to stay out of this altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, they're... they're I think you're right. I think that's the big thing that keeps people from doing things. And I think as a culture, we need to reward the people who yeah. do. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, really appreciate you yeah. going and having that conversation. And that was a conversation I know we all should have had. Because you were the one who did it. <laughs> yes. It's, it's <laughs> similar to the saying, um, it takes a community to raise a child. Mm. I don't mean for anybody who hears me say that to take that literally, but at least figuratively. Like The thing with the community raising a child is that the community in theory <clears throat> all has the same core philosophy so when one kid starts acting up and they're up some anybody in the, com- <clears throat> the community checks that kid the parents aren't saying you're abusing the child sure. i'm like nah the kid was out of line sure. and he saw it yeah and she saw it yeah you know okay you're right you deserved it <laughs> yeah thank you you know but but yeah. we don't have the all you know we don't have the same core philosophy like we're just so individualized which is a double-edged sword and i think that by me talking about that takes this off tracks but uh i don't know if it does like i i i think you're i don't know if in i think i think the term you're real like we're all like so separated yeah, yeah it's like we have these very clear borders of like this is mine yeah and you are not allowed to do anything to anything that is mine right 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 and you can be individual right we you and yeah, i yeah, could yeah. be really uniquely individual right, right and we could share food off the same plate yeah right yeah. like that's the thing we could yeah. definitely could do yeah yeah but, terminology i definitely think i could have used better terminology yeah. but i just think you yeah that's about what you're getting at though is yeah we've created these borders between us and everything else yeah, and, and that's a problem i think we've created these borders and a lot of these borders are like abstract thoughts as far as what rules are to be sure. you know it's like i have this rule and no matter how different your rule is from mine no matter how much my rule conflicts with yours respect my rule yeah and not only that but I've never even told you what my rule is. (laughs) Exactly. Guess my rule. Guess my rule and respect my rule. And that's where, so you said, you said that you think all relationships are kind of founded on philosophy. Yeah. To whatever extent that they've actually been articulated and and thought about. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think it goes, I think we can follow this exact same path and go one step back and say all relationships are founded on truth, right? Because it's the willingness to express the, mm-hmm. the truthful rules of engagement yeah, in yeah, any yeah. relationship, yeah. right? And that's the philosophy component. 
It's like, even if we have really different thoughts on the same subject, yeah. if we're both willing to share our yeah. honest perspective respectfully in this culture, in the center, right. we're all good. Yeah, I think if we tell the truth, then you have a, you increase the chances of there being a quality relationship that will survive the test. Yeah, you for know? sure. Versus, you know, if you lied about it, then when a certain situation brings up uh, the time for a person to make a decision that person makes the wrong decision and you look at them like how dare you make the wrong decision <laughs> but you never talked about what decision needed to be made yeah. or you didn't pick up on the cues right that, yes. they, that they were gonna make that decision yes so. for sure and and that i think i really think you can take that all the way back to this idea of maybe even back to this idea of acting selfishly versus versus acting for the community Mm. right it's it's this it the selfish thing to do is actually not to take the action for the community to like have the 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 interaction the selfish thing to do is say i'm going to avoid this conflict where we have a differing opinion okay because then you're just taking the easy path right right and that easy path prevents you from dealing with whatever the, the challenge that would have popped up is right right where if you just said all right you know i I would have handled this differently. Right. I, I, whatever. I would have gone up and eaten the chips also. Right? Like, whatever it is. Whatever that difference is. Yeah. I, I feel like that that path is actually benefits the community mm-hmm. if we all commit to the fact that, yeah, when yeah. somebody gets out of line for whatever that is, yeah. we're all going to be like, hey, you can't do that. Yeah. But also, at the same time, I think we got to be merciful because, sure. because uh, you know... There's a, like, if you're too rough on the child, then what reason do they have to tell you the truth? Like, somebody told me a story about how his dad said, don't lie to me, and I won't hit you. And so he told him the truth, and his dad hit him. (laughs) And then it broke his trust for his dad. So then he never had a reason to not lie to his dad after that. For sure. Because you're just going to hit me anyway. So so it's like, if somebody gets out of line, like, is there forgiveness? Like, check him. Oh, but can he be forgiven? Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking, like, I, I do believe that's possible. But I don't know the proper way to bring this up because I think that a lot of context would really help people understand at least what I mean by this. But, you know, the reason that we we should offer forgiveness and mercy is because uh, I think that things can get out of control way quicker mm. than they can get back in control. Mm. For sure. You know, like, you look, sure. at, you look at, like, any incident in the past where a neighborhood, like in Los Angeles or something, the, the the community starts to riot against their own businesses and start stealing stuff. Totally counterproductive. Yep. Don't, it's, it's totally done from within. But it's just like, how hard was that to get back in order? Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, maybe some people probably never, ever recovered. For sure. From For that. sure. Without a doubt. And, and uh, you know, but... And we've all had those situations personally, too, right? Where, mm-hmm. like... You you have fifteen things go wrong in a day and you lose your shit, yeah. right? Like that's that's ha- and I think that's where that's where the understanding to me is is like, hey, I get it. You're having a bad day. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You don't have to take your bad day and put it on somebody else though. Yeah. So you're having a bad day. It's cool. Let's go home. We'll go buy ice cream at Sprouts. Yeah. We'll go yeah. home and life will be good. Like, yeah, like yeah. You can do that. Yeah. So I I do I I a hundred percent I a hundred percent agree. And I, I, and I also think we can all do this. Yeah. 
We can we can do this thing. We certainly can, can. do this. Thing. <laughs> no, we we can do it. Yeah, <laughs> like as you know, as you were as you were saying it, I think to myself, it is it's very important to you know spread the message of hope. Yeah. Now I think there, I've heard arguments where you know people thought of hope as a waste of time, mm. and I can't remember their exact way of putting it, but they made sense. <laughs> in that argument and I'm like yeah you know you're kind of right like it ain't about hope it's about getting it done mm-hmm. so hope all you want but get it done or don't get it done but uh but people won't try if they don't believe they can so you know I think I heard this uh this boxing coach talk about how some boxers you can yell at them and cuss at them and tell them what they're doing wrong and that'll motivate them to to fix what they're doing wrong and then there's others where you have to if you talk to them like that they give up yeah so you know when it when it comes to both the individuals and the masses, it's a slippery slope. It, it, there's no one shoe fits all, but we I think you definitely have to sell or find a way to sell positivity and hope to yeah. the individual because if you don't sell it to them, who will they become? Yeah, what will they do? And uh, yeah, so I mean I guess that's me going out. On a roundabout way of trying to agree with you. So how do we get how do we get hope to people? It's hard to say, you know. Um, actually, today I I visited a uh, I don't know what it was exactly. It was um it was a service offered to people, you know, for alcoholism and depression and uh, you know counseling, and I was referred to them. Um, through a sister company, it was a uh, it was an urgent care for uh, health, like psychological health. Because you know, I've been examining my past, like my grandfather, my my uh, to my understanding, my mom's dad committed suicide, and so as I've reflected on my life and everything that made me become the person that I am, I think that at least in part, I can't give it an, I can't give it a value, but in part. Um, who my mom became and the, the path of destruction that she chose was definitely a reflection of her father killing himself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when he made that decision, could you have sold him hope? You know, what makes a person, like, what makes a person believe in hope? Like, for me, the ironic thing about myself is when I... And again, it's another part of me where I don't like to, to to confess. But when I lost my religion, I ain't telling anybody else what to think. But when I lost my religion, um, I went from looking at the glass that was, you know, only half full. I went from thinking like, man, this glass could be all the way full and it's not. And so life sucks. I'm sad. But then somewhere along the way. I started thinking to myself, well, the glass could be all the way empty. <laughs> I'm glad I got anything left. Yeah. And that was how I found hope. Yeah. So it's weird because it's like, it's a tailor-made thing. Like I, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know how to sell people hope. I guess it starts with the one-on-one conversation and being able to relate. Like People like yourself who have found something to be hopeful for, being able to to interact with somebody sincerely and say, Hey, listen, I know 
I know where you are. There, there was some sort of internet meme I saw where there was a, a person inside of a hole and people kept passing by and he was like, you know, help me, help me. And nobody would help. And then uh, a passerby got down into the hole with them and the person who was initially oh stuck God. was like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, don't worry. I've been here before. Been here before. I know how to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, there's this, uh, this concept of Jesus going to hell to save the people who were down there. And I'm sure I messed that all the way up now that I think about it. But um, I think that that's what we all have to be. Like, figuratively mm-hmm. speaking, we all have to be a, a sort of savior. And we have to go back to the trenches, to the gutters, to the hells that uh, we've been to to find the people who are there now to yeah. try to show them how to get out. Yeah. Like, For that's sure. the best way I can For answer sure. that question. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the question. I mean, that's what we've been talking about, though, right? It's like, hey, we've all been the person who wanted to have the freaking breakdown in the chip aisle, yes. right? Like we've all been that person. Yeah. So it it's I think the checking thing, right? It's really it's not about hey, you're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It's like hey, I feel what's going on right now. Right, right. And like it's like, I feel like sometimes. Sometimes I don't need you to have the answer. Yeah. I just need you to feel me. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel me? Yeah. Can you understand? Yeah. Because if you can't understand, I won't listen to anything that you say. Yeah. You know, and like I've heard people say, like, you know, I've heard people say, well, if you've never lived it, you'll never understand it. I don't entirely think that that's correct. It's just that that person specifically thinks that nobody who has ever felt that. Uh, who or who has ever not felt it has ever understood. So therefore, if you haven't felt it, you can never understand. But also, you meet people at you don't meet someone you don't know someone their whole life. Even if you know them their whole life, like you interact with somebody where they are in that place in their life, and you have no idea who they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know they may have been where I was. Absolutely. Back then. But for whatever reason, they choose not to tell anybody. Yeah. For sure. You know, it's a... Uh... So if... Yeah. If I could have anything to offer, anything important to offer to do, it would be to talk to people. Like, outside of talking to people, I ain't got much to offer. <laughs> I ain't got nothing for you. Like, you know, I can't I can't pick you up and carry you out of a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be your accountant and you know save you from <laughs> bankruptcy. <laughs> uh yeah, but man, the most important thing you do for somebody a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um like man, so much so often mm-hmm. is talk to some talk to somebody. Yeah. Right? Like how many times can we just how many times has somebody called you and been just, you know, right at the right time? And you're like, man, I needed to hear from you. Oh, oh yeah. Thank you. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, but it has happened. It has happened before uh, where, yeah, someone called. I was like, man, yeah, dude, it's a good thing to hear from you. You yeah. lightened my day, if yeah, nothing else. For sure. Um, I think that, yeah, I think we forget how easy it is sometimes to impact somebody's life, right? And I think we forget a lot. I think a lot of people have forgotten how easy it is to impact somebody's life. 
both in, in positive and in negative. For ways. sure. And I'm terrified. Oh, that's a great that's a great point though. I'm terrified to impact people in a negative way. Like I, I really make it a point to be as little to make as little impact on anybody's life unless <laughs> it's for the better. Yeah. And that you know, it is what it is. But yeah. that is a concern of mine. But I agree with you. you that's know? such a good point though, because a lot of people will take the fact that they've had something that they didn't like happen to them. Mm-hmm. And turn that into a game where they like see how awful they can make the rest of the people they interact with that yeah, day yeah. feel. Mm-hmm. You see that. You see that a lot. Man. Whew, man. That's not a fun game. You know, I mean, but the thing is like when it comes to whether or not that's a fun game, there's the saying that misery loves company. Like I know that there was a time in my life where I enjoyed my misery. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't, but I did. Yeah. Like, I liked cloudy days. <laughs> I liked darkness. I liked being covered up. Yeah. I liked being in my feelings and yeah. being sad. Like, when you're sad, a sad song sounds extra good. Oh, for sure. When you're heartbroken, oh, man, those <laughs> heartbreaking sure. songs, <laughs> they hit you something different. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, like, like, it's not fun. Like, it's not fun when you get a taste of the other side. Mm. You know, I had a guy... He used to tell me that there was a, you know, when he, he used to network with a certain group of people and he would give figurative examples of like sitting at the table and eating what they're eating. And once he once he sat at their table and saw what they were eating, and got a taste. He's like, I cannot allow myself to go back. Mm-hmm. So for those people who enjoy misery. You know, and and even then, I think that it's, it's just tricky for me to say this because I don't know what is the reason for anybody's feelings. But I think if you could find something that uh, is the equivalent of sitting at the higher table, then you would not want to go back to where you were once Mm -hmm. upon a time either, assuming that you had uh, a healthy mind. Like you were not actually suffering from a mental illness where like chemically, you know, Mm -hmm. your your hormones just won't let you. Yeah. But uh, I feel... uh, feel like I got to speak very carefully on that because I don't want to misrepresent something that I don't fully That's understand true. and therefore offend somebody. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the good news is if anybody is going to be offended, I've offended them. I've offended them long, long ago. So you're, <laughs> you're probably safe at this point, two years in. Well, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there was something that, that you, that you made me think about that's similar to that. Um, that we were talking about earlier, like when it comes to trauma and having it be the motivation for introspection and reflection. Um, another thing that I've adopted is a very sarcastic sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some people may classify it as dark. Yeah. You know, I laugh at inappropriate things. You shouldn't laugh at, <laughs> but I laugh at them, you know? And, uh, you know, when I laugh at these things or when I make light of them, to me, I feel like I'm maybe not intentionally robbing it of its power. Like, that's not my goal. Like, my goal is to laugh at it. But in turn, it loses its power. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you can make fun of me if my clothes are, you know, ugly and uh, they got holes in them. Or you can make fun of me if I got, like, yellow stains on my teeth. If I can brush my teeth and if I can change my mm-hmm. clothes. But if yeah. I can't, then that's when it becomes really offensive. Yeah, for sure. It was like... uh you know, like, you know, my mother's passed. So, you know, not too long, maybe two, maybe three years after my mother passed, I was walking in the store with my brother. 
<laughs> and he made some joke at me, and I was like, your mom? And he stopped. And he balled up his fist. He turned around. He's like, you're lucky you're my brother. And But, you know, now, 15 years later, however many years, whatever 18, 32 minus 18 is, <laughs> uh, you know, that's all the time. Like, your mom, you know? And the, the thing is, like, when I when I say your mom, you know I'm playing. Yeah. Because she's my mom, too. Yeah. So if I make fun of your misfortune or if I make fun of something dark. Yeah. What makes it okay and what makes it not okay is how it really affects somebody. Yeah. So like, the goal is not really to be malicious towards anybody. Right. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, I just I just think it's important. It's something that I would like to do. I would like to get people to, to laugh at uh, some pretty inappropriate joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but finding the timing, the context... The moments to bring it up and then bringing it up to the right person. Like, and I made jokes to people. To me, I thought they like, you're gonna find this funny, and they yeah. look at me like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you did. You did a stand-up comedy routine once. Is that couple true? Times. Couple yeah, times. Yeah, a couple times. Maybe twice. Two, three times. And uh, yeah, that was when I realized that uh, if it's in me, it's buried. <laughs> 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 because yeah. you know, because. Uh, each person is like when I got up there, it was just all I saw were lights, yeah. and then vaguely I could see the people. So it was like anytime I've been to a comedy, a comedy show, you know, I would see the roommate laugh in three sections, yeah. and I watch the people. This section laughs, but this section doesn't. But this section is smiling, but this section is nothing at all. But mm-hmm. you can't see that, so it's just like, do you have the courage to go up there and get up there? I don't have the courage to get up there. Like, well, you do. You did it. But to, I don't have the courage to keep to fight through the awkward moments. Like if uh, yeah. if you don't already know me, or if the situ like if the situation isn't right, then I don't feel like trying to fight f- to get you laugh. Like yeah. I don't want to sit in front of a room of thirty people or more, <laughs> yeah. and try to you know fish yeah. or that joke that's gonna get them to laugh. For now sure. if you guys already know me, then I know I kind of have an idea like what to what, say, right? But what works within the setting? Yeah, and that's a. Stand-up comedy, man, is hard. It's a hard it thing on, on, a, on a bunch of levels in that different people find different things funny. Absolutely, <laughs> man. It's Which crazy. is what you're saying, right? Yes. But you could go to a room. Like, you could go to two different rooms. They could be full of two different types of people tell mm-hmm. the exact same material. And it's just One room could be completely silent looking at you like they want to pitchfork you off the stage. The yeah. other room could be losing their mind laughing with you. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a really... Like... Talking about, hey, finding your people and, and part of this opportunity then is is what's going on online, right? Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. We're finding our people online. You find you, you really have this ability to connect to people from, from all over who share yeah. thought processes and, and communicative methods. and It's a double-edged sword, though. I don't know if it's appropriate for me to go there, but yeah. it's a double-edged sword because you find people like you but what if you're in a place where you shouldn't be or that's not good for you and you find people like you <laughs> all right <laughs> you know like yeah. you're you know like uh you're an alcoholic or something and you find people who are alcoholics and but you're not in recovery <laughs> like you're going out yeah and you're getting drunk and you're yeah. doing drugs and you're doing you know and you're compromising your your safety uh or um you know maybe you're putting yourself in situations where uh you don't you know that can damage your reputation like you know, a lot of these 
guys want to on on social media want to portray themselves to be tough, borderline criminals. Mm. So you go go in there and you associate with people who are like minded, and you get yourself in a situation or women who maybe feel the need to uh, be a certain level of pretty mm-hmm. that maybe compromises their reputation. Yeah, and they enter a world that once they go in, there's no coming back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? You're right. You're you're right. It does make it makes doorways easier. I mean, really, it really makes connections easier, and there it is a double edged sword. I mean, that can go both ways. But that's the risk that we must all take, and yeah. I think the way to solve that is with uh, forgiveness. You know, like like I'm not gonna hold anybody. Uh, like, like my goal isn't to make you feel miserable for the rest of your life for the decisions that you made. Yeah. I mean, there might be a couple extreme situations where it's like, it's going to be very hard <laughs> to, you know, fix this. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm not here to make you feel like trash. Yeah. You know, at least if you are sincere in your attempt for redemption. Yeah. That sincerity goes a long way. Sure. Intentions go a long way. Yeah. And it's just recognizing and sometimes it's even giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's like, you know what? I think you're going to blow this opportunity, mm. but I'm going to give it to you. So, you know, there's a guy, he got his car stolen <laughs> and um, he asked me for help and he just listed off like 10 things that he wanted from me without offering me anything in return. And I told him uh, kind of like the setting boundary things. <laughs> I was like, listen, man, I was like, the more I think about this, the more I'm getting upset because this inconveniences me. Yeah. But I'm going to help you because if I were in your shoes, I would want to do the same. I would want somebody to help me. And you you really are in a bad space, dude. I feel for you. <laughs> so I helped him. Yeah. But I had to let him know, like, I'm not happy about it. Yeah. And so, you know, as I help you, please do these things. Yeah. You know, and the biggest thing was just don't talk to me. <laughs> like, Tell me what you need and only tell me what you need. Mm. I don't want to pew, pew, yeah. shoot the shit. Excuse my language. Yeah. Because I, just, I had my day planned out. Right. So, you know, but, uh, you know, so, so it's like sometimes you just got to give somebody $20. That's not what I did for him, but give somebody $20 yeah. and, and know that it's not coming back. For sure. Give them a ride somewhere and know you're never going to see them again or they ain't giving you gas money. Yeah. You know, um, And that's part of the thing that makes me say, like, it's it's easy for things to get out of control because it's like, uh, I mean, everybody drives on the right side of the street because of their thought process, because they feel it's beneficial. But, like, just let there be a reason for people to decide that they want to drive however they want or it don't matter. This, this is my house. Yeah. I, um, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the, the bank says. I don't care. Yeah. It's my house. Yeah. And enough people think that, like, good luck getting people back into saying, hey, man, that's his house, dude. For sure. <laughs> Chill. Like, you can go get it. There's plenty <laughs> of places. You ain't got to be here. Like, why do you even want this place? Yeah. You just want to be a jerk. So, uh, I don't know. It's a debt to pay to society. It's a debt to pay to a functioning and organized society. Sometimes you got to just, quote, do the right thing. Mm. It, it, it's it was, true. I mean, that's a... 
So I, I used to, I used to associate with this person who just expressed this like really deep anger at stoplights <laughs> in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Right. Because they're holding you up and there's no reason to. Huh. And my thought was just, A, it's 30 seconds. We got 30 seconds. We got 30 We're going to be seconds. fine. Yeah, yeah. Or if we don't, then plan for those 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and B, just, yeah, I, I think what you, what you called out right there is like the debt to society so that we can all have mm-hmm. this really amazing opportunity amazing. to exist is that we all have to agree to and play by the same rules. Right. And and when we lose that what happens? We, we got we got problems. <laughs> we got serious problems because like I I think that maybe my philosophy on this may be extreme, but you know like if a lion is coming at you sometimes the only option is to kill it. Yeah. You know, so like if things are that out of order, yeah, for sure. Extreme measures are required to get it back in the order. So let's not have it even go there in the first place. Yeah. No, it's... You know, you, you look at... Like, if you if you followed at all what's going on in Hong Kong, and I haven't really, but mm-hmm. I, I always find these... these uprising-type things really interesting. Because the reality is, you know, everybody wants to talk about their right to bear arms. The reality is you're not winning a battle against the United States government. You right? are certainly not. So you can have all the guns you want. If the, if the government's coming after the people, you've lost. Yeah. The one thing that we could do is we could all just stop, right? If you really wanted to make a difference and, mm-hmm. and you really wanted to change things in this country, mm-hmm. if we just all stopped for a day. We all stop for seven days and we're like, hey, we're not playing the game right now because yeah. the game's broken. That would, just an hour would probably just for sure. It would disrupt everything. <laughs> everything. And we, we do collectively, right? We're collectively, we could do this. Yeah. We won't do this. We won't do this. We'll never, ever make that happen. <laughs> but we, it's the one actual piece of power that we have yeah. is we could yeah. actually just stop and say, hey, we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. We need it to be fair again. And when you make it fair again, we'll come back. Yeah. But I, I'm all, I always, I feel, you know, in a way, I always have this, like, inspiring connection to these rebel forces, right? The people that are just trying to hold on to these progressive ideas where we can make our <laughs> culture better. And you just see time after time the government coming in and just smashing them. And you know how it ends every time. So, I, uh, man, yeah, the, you know... When the power that's greater than you decides that you're annoying enough, you're going away. You swat the fly. <laughs> yeah. It swats the fly. And, it, and it, every time, right? I mean, you're fighting. You're going to be fighting. I mean, they're using bow and arrows against what's going to be machines. automatic weapons. And yes. you just, uh, that's too, what it looks like. The numbers are, the, I mean, I was going to say the numbers are. The numbers are in our favor, but the power is yeah. in their favor. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like numbers, sure, but also they have one button they can press and they can make the numbers. Greatly reduce it. You know, and it's like I've thought about this. If somebody holds up a convenience store, selfishness is what allows the robber to control everybody. Mm -hmm. There could be twenty people inside of there. But he's got the one 
piece of equipment that can change everybody's life. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't want that to be me. <laughs> so what do you need? Sit down over there. Okay, cool. I got that. You want me to throw you a soda? You want this Milky Way? Just leave me alone. Oh, you want me to shut up? All right, cool. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, and, that, and it's, that's a similar concept. It's like, I was talking to my brother recently. He's He's been coming into this, uh, he's enjoying nature and hiking and getting away from mm-hmm. society. And we were talking about something similar to this. And I was like, you know, we could do all this, but let you know let everything shut down and then i'm gonna be like oh man like i can't check my instagram dude i can't play madden <laughs> you know <laughs> you know my electricity doesn't work the water doesn't run like i don't have any food i don't know how to cook yeah i don't know how to grow i'll just play along yeah i'll just do what i need to do even if it's wrong yeah <laughs> you know and uh well that takes us back to that what is enough what is enough man, and so I think I I, I, I got to talk more. I, I, that <laughs> idea, right, of what is enough. And, yeah. and okay, so the, like you've listed some things that you found important. But it also, like what is enough is also determined by what game we're playing. Absolutely. Like, what are we trying to do here? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of us are, are playing games that we haven't really to find the rules for yeah and we're going to be unhappy in mm-hmm. the same way that you're going to be unhappy if you're playing in society and you're you're wanting someone to do something and you're not asking them to do it and then you're playing saying hey guess my rules and and you got to follow the rules and guess my rules we're doing that to ourselves a lot of the time we're playing these games where we haven't defined what winning is yeah and we i think yeah at the end point, we'd say, oh, winning is, is being happy. Right. But instead of working towards being happy, yeah. we're working towards a bunch of other things that we think are going to be the things that make us happy. Well, like, I think I even hear Gary Vee talk about that. Okay. He's, you know, he's like, uh, if, if, you know, he's like, I got friends that make $10 million, $10 million a year and they're miserable. It's like, well, you know, stop working so hard and just yeah. enjoy some of that money. Like, <laughs> or, or he's like, but I also got friends who make $50,000 a year. And you know they enjoy their softball league, yeah. Their kickball, you know they they they're one vacation a year, so on and so forth. And uh, he's like, you just need to be in sync. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be a multimillionaire, then you're gonna have to do things to make you a multimillionaire. What do you really want? Yeah. Do you want to sit at home and play four hours of Madden? Yeah. Because you can't sit at home and play four hours of Madden and be a real estate agent who's selling <laughs> real estate in all the prime locations of the world. Yeah. You can't do For both sure. chasing two rabbits or For sure. having two masters. And I was thinking a lot about that yesterday. You know, me serving two masters. Um a large part of my life I can say that I have been doing that and I've been coming to terms with the master that I want to serve. And uh, you know, figuratively speaking, and not to sum up my whole life's existence, but I like all I've ever wanted to be was happy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember that quote, was it from John Lennon or something? He said something about his teachers was asking all the kids what they wanted to do. And he said, when I grow up, I just want to be happy. Mm. And I think somewhere along the line, he was like, the teacher told him he doesn't understand. He's like, no, you're the one who doesn't understand. <laughs> For sure. You know? Because like, to me, the game, like, there is no end goal. Yeah. There's always a then what. Yeah. You made a million dollars, then what? Absolutely. You made it to the NBA, but what happens when you're 40? Sure. You can't hang with the 20-year-olds like you used For to. Sure. 
So then what? And like for me, I've, like I said, the last few years have been some of the, the happiest years of my life. But what I've realized is like the appetite is never satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's only temporarily satisfied. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of times I'm like, man, this is the best steak I've ever had. This is the best tacos. This is the best cake. Um, you know, this, this is the best movie video game. I like this specific outfit more than any other until like Tuesday. Like I could, like I could put on a, <laughs> For like, sure. I could put on an outfit on like a Friday night and be like, oh man, dude, this outfit looks so good that I, I'm not doing enough this Friday night. I'm gonna have to wear this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then tomorrow comes, and I'm looking forward to wearing that outfit. And when I put it on, I'm just like. I'm not feeling it like I was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just kind of like, it's always this in the moment feeling. And I think a part of the pressure is that, okay, well, it's going to be over eventually. So it's like, what makes me happy at, you know, one stage of my life, I may not be able to even do at another stage of my life. Absolutely. Like I heard Cornell West say, you know, you can't break dance at 80 like you did at 20. Yeah. He's like, you were a master at 16. Yeah. Well, you know, if your whole image was based off of being like the best break dancer at 16, who are you For sure. at 50? Yeah. If if uh, your whole identity was based off having dreads, what happens when you don't have them anymore? Yeah. You know, who are you? Um, so how do people prevent themselves? How do we present ourselves from from really identifying with these these things, right? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Know that it has an end. Yeah. That's I, I don't know what else you can do. Yeah. Just know that it has an end and enjoy it while it's good. It's 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 not saying it's like saying uh you know what I was talking about earlier. Don't get mad that now you only have eight out of twelve ounces or eight out of sixteen <laughs> ounces. Just be happy that there's anything left. For sure. So you know, when, sure. It's, when it's here, enjoy it, and when it's gone, let it go. It's gone. So easy to say. Yeah. Much harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That, that is a really. It, you're right. In in a lot of ways, you're right. Um, so I had that, I had that, this experience where like everything was ripped away from me. Mm. Right. And it was just instantaneous Mm. and no, nothing I could do could get any of it back. Mm. Right. And really when it got better was when I just finally said, all right, well, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to be who I was before. Yeah. And while you're fighting to get back to that place where you used to be, which no matter if everything was perfect or not, you can't go back to where you used to be. Yeah. You, you don't have the time machine. And if you do, you got to share that with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. So I, I really like, I really think there's a big, powerful piece in the idea of good or bad, recognizing that. Everything that's happened has happened, and you're never getting back there again. Yeah. So just move on. Man. Good or bad, move on. Uh, Somebody made me mad last night. Because, 
I guess I was expressing something that was of higher value to me and Mm -hmm. she didn't agree. Like she felt it was BS to at least some extent. And I got offended. I was like, how could you even feel that it's BS to any degree? Like I just told you my deepest feelings. Yeah. And uh, like I got mad about it and I kept telling myself, simply move on to a different subject mm-hmm. in my mind. And I would force myself to stop thinking about it and therefore stop feeling how I would feel by thinking about it. And I just did something else. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about right now is, is move on. You know, even it's, it's, it's like with the passing of my mother, like move on. Um, again, way easier said than done. But I don't see what else it could be. Like, I don't see how to identify the answer and state it in any other way. Like, yeah. if I stated it any other way, if it doesn't say the same basic thing, then I'm not being honest. Yeah. Well, you started this off, right, with this idea of the the limiting factor of anything we're holding on to, mm-hmm. right? And the reality is if you're holding on to anything in the past, you're anchoring yourself to that energetically absolutely and you're not going to be able to progress my um i remember telling my dad about how i don't hold on to a lot of, a lot of material items like yeah. if there was a little while where i was living out of my car so literally everything i owned was in my car yeah and uh i just kept what i needed like i didn't have pots and pans like didn't have a lot of clothes maybe had like two pairs of pants and obviously i didn't have a bed i didn't have a couch i didn't have a tv I didn't have any of that. So, and I've just always kind of been that way where I didn't hold on to anything just in case I had to let it go right then and there. Yeah. I just never even got it in the first place. Yeah. But, uh, holy moly, completely lost my train of thought trying to think about that. But um, that's a good move. Not being attached, not being attached, not being attached to, to anything, really. I mean, I think back and you can look around. We're in my kitchen right now, and it's just there's too much stuff. And uh, I I think back to the time when I was happiest in life, and yeah. it was when I had nothing. Yeah. Right. It was like I didn't have to worry about anything. If yeah. I had something, I knew exactly where it went. Yeah. And yeah. like it was like yeah, if I'm looking for that cup, it's yeah. where the where the one cup goes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like. Not only that, but it's a cup that I reused from Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that I've just been washing out. For sure. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, because this right here is what freaking the American dream, I think, quite literally, I think most, <laughs> like, you know, maybe it's not what everybody wants exactly. Like, yeah. I don't want that type of fridge, but yeah. everybody wants to be in a situation like this, or mm-hmm. at least that's what they're told, and that's what, that's what they, they think they're working for towards. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Until you get it, and that's why... I, there's the saying, like, I know millionaires who aren't happy. For sure. Oh, like, almost every millionaire <laughs> is not happy. I mean, you know, when you make money, the goal. And For sure. But also, too, like, I think what's very important to bring up, I mean, we don't have to go down that road, but we don't have to go down that road too specifically. But uh, when it comes to not getting attached and letting go, there is a spectrum. Hmm, you sure. get too attached. That's one thing. I don't know what to call it, but if you get too unattached, then you're a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and you and 
which I don't think. <laughs> Maybe I mean, if you know how to function in society, yeah. then you know, so be it. Yeah, but I actually think I actually think so this is kind of a yogic philosophy. Uh, they use it a little bit different, where verbiage would be like entanglement, right? So attachment and entanglement are pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can passionately exist inside of society, right? And you could passionately have relationships and interactions and and possessions without having entanglement and and and, and necessity for those things. Mm. So while they're there, you can appreciate the experience to the the highest and fullest extent that's possible. Mm-hmm. And when they're not there, you can no longer have that that grip, that hold or that pull to those things. Mm-hmm. And that really is that's a it's a pretty powerful yogic philosophy that when I find myself focused on on living that way there's a lot of there's a lot of freedom and there's a lot of responsibility and there's there's a lot of happiness and and joyous and joyful expression that comes out of that style of living yeah but it can be complex too (laughs) (laughs) um i mean my brother was just telling me the other day uh how he was just kind of feeling dull in life and he's like, man, I've been, I'm in a position where I have everything I want. Like there was a time where I couldn't have bought all the things that I have right now. Like yeah. my TV, my computer, my couch, my car. Yeah. And now I look around and I'm just kind of like, bah. yeah. And, uh, just so I have to remind myself to be grateful for it because of where I used, what I used to not have. And even myself, like, I'm in a pretty great spot. And, uh, like, when I was couch surfing, I would have loved to have where I'm at right now. So why am I not there right now? Yeah. Like, why am I Why am I not there most of the time? Because yeah. what I'm looking for, what uh, my soul craves, at least at that time, it's just not there. Mm. You know? But um, I think I was trying to reflect some of the complexities of um, what you were talking about. Because there's, I think... I don't know, maybe there's still a lot of things to consider as far as uh, how to manage a lifestyle, whether you have many attachments or you don't have many attachments at all. <laughs> it's like it's like looking for the windows of opportunity to do whatever it is that you need to do right then and there and recognizing the pattern and knowing, okay, at this time of the day, I can jump through this window <laughs> and I can, I don't know. I don't even know if that's yeah. what, you, what you're saying, yeah, but, sure. but that's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did some good we did some good work tonight man i'm glad <laughs> you know because just like last time when i came over i'm like dude i am probably gonna <laughs> just space out and drool not knowing what to talk about <laughs> uh, i just do not strike me as a person who's never gonna have have brilliant things to say <sighs> you're <laughs> if you're too kind if, if you could be i don't know if there's a word for bowing to people but uh <laughs> Is there anything, anything else on your mind? Anything? So we didn't, I, I, let's briefly touch on this. We didn't talk about this at all. Uh, we talked about how the internet's connecting people. Yeah. Um, we talked about how that like really brings these, these like-minded thinkers together. We haven't talked about the fact that you did some work on YouTube. Oh, yes, yes. I did do work on YouTube. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> um, 
And uh, what I've learned is that I don't know who I'm talking to mm. on YouTube. But yeah, it basically, it's just kind of become a uh, place for me to uh, just speak my mind when the moment comes. Like, I, I think I started it in April yeah. of 2018. And I haven't made maybe a couple videos in a few months because, like, a lot of what I have to say, like, I think all the time. But now I'm coming to a point where why am I going to say it if no one's listening? But uh, I haven't made any videos because I don't know who I'm talking to because the whole purpose of it. Initially, I thought maybe I'll just create this this uh, library, so to speak, of, of me speaking on certain ideas. And maybe somebody will find it and then I can look into the comments and be like, oh, OK, like, uh, cool, like, we can talk about this. Yeah. But <laughs> ain't nobody watching my videos. So I'm like, who am I talking to? But yeah, I did. I did create that. And maybe one day it'll pick up and turn into something. I, so I, I want to say two things on it. One, um, let's tell people how to find it. Oh, people yeah. want more of you. That's a great place to find more of you. You are too, too <laughs> kind. I'm actually scared to say it because now the pressure's on. <laughs> but the burden of performance, they're going to say, you know, you know. I got to be honest about this last podcast you did with this guy. I thought he was all right. And then I watched his YouTube. And he is a fool. But uh, anyways, yeah, so uh, if you do by chance happen to want to come across it, it uh, is Truman Shame. And I have to explain that name because people are like, what? <laughs> That's a stupid name. And it may be. But uh, Shame was the the original name that I wanted to come up with and I came up with that because I realized that over the course of my whole life, whether I knew it or not, I was ashamed of who I am. I was ashamed of what I looked like. I was ashamed of my race. I was ashamed of... Uh, there was really nothing in me that I took pride on. Mm. And uh, when I had to... There was a situation where I had to come up with another name. So the other name I came up with was Truman. And I don't know if there's any legal issues on this, but it's based off of the Truman Show. Because in the Truman Show, everybody's in on the fact that everyone knows who he is and he's the only one who doesn't know. Yeah. And so in terms of my shame, my actual shame, the things that caused my shame, one thing I realized was that there were more people that knew about me and my insecurities before I even knew mm -hmm. about them. So yeah. it's like this whole time I've been living in this bubble ashamed, trying to hide, trying to hide yeah. and not even knowing that I wasn't hiding <laughs> yeah. because everybody already knew. Like, yeah. you could see through me. Yeah. So, yes. If well, I think that's really important. I, I really, that, that idea, like, we're all trying to hide the fact that we're not perfect. Yeah. But everybody on the planet knows that nobody's perfect. Right. But we all still try to pretend like we're perfect. And some people even know specifically why you're not perfect. <laughs> For sure, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's cool. Yeah. Like, without you know, doubt. You yes. Ain't, you ain't got to be. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Guess what? You don't have to be perfect. No one's going to expect you to be perfect. Ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. And if that person is expecting you to be perfect, then they... Move uh, on. They are out of they are out of single reality. Yes. Period. Without a doubt. But uh, yeah, you know, like, I appreciate your willingness to mention that because you didn't have to. And I'm terrified because... Uh, I don't know what people will actually think if anybody ever actually people think great things looks at it. So, so I want to also just offer this little thought. Cause I think this has been fun for me, I think in a way 
You also are creating a time capsule of your thoughts, right? So I scroll back for two years and I listen to a podcast that I did two years ago. And, oh, yeah. and you can see how you've changed. Completely different, right? Okay. The way I the way I view the world, the way the way I interact, is just different. Okay. And I think there's some value in that. And I also think, you know, you said this idea of when somebody meets you, yeah. they don't know who you used to be. So they they know where you are in this moment when right. they interact with you. If you decide, you can create a record of like, hey, here's who I was. And you can like watch me progress over two years and you can see like the things that are happening in my life and the way I'm thinking about things and how things are shifting and changing. And I kind of like that in a way. Yeah, well, now that you mentioned it, because I wasn't even thinking of it like that. Yeah. It's, totally, it's like the new way of, of looking at family pictures. Yes. Me yeah. When I was in <laughs> but it's here's my thoughts. Here are my thoughts. Yeah. These are who I was yes. as a thinker. At this moment in time. At this moment in time. This was what the world made me. Yeah. And depending on how well you know me now, you can you can compare and contrast. For sure. That's and I didn't think of it that way, but that's you know it's a beautiful thing. It's really worthwhile. I really, I really, uh, I, I have from the get go encouraged you and continue. You to did, sir. You you <laughs> might have been like one of the actual few people I may may have even told before I started it that yeah. I was even thinking about doing. And you, you, yeah, no, you said it. You said it after the first podcast yes. that you you should try. Do it. Just do, do it. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Touche, sir. Touche. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate this. These are these are some my conversations with you, no matter where they are, whenever they happen, they're some of my favorite conversations on this planet. Thank you. I hope we I hope we get to do this for round three. Oh man, <laughs> I would be honored. I would be honored. Thank you. Yeah.